Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Good to be back again today to open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more. How blessed we are to have this opportunity to come together each day right here on Search the Scriptures. We're thankful that all of you are listening and want to learn more, many of you at least. Some may be just curious, might be listening for the first time, but even if that's the case, we hope that your curiosity will be satisfied in that you will recognize that what we're doing here is really digging deep into the scriptures of God's Word. We're trying to learn more fully in a deeper, more detailed way what God's Word, the Bible, really does teach us and how important that is for us because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And without faith it is impossible to please Him, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. If we would come to him, we must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But now, as we've talked on this, talked about in this program a number of times, that faith is true faith. It's not just some wishful dream or blind leap, as some people might charge or claim faith to be. No, no. We're talking about faith that is based upon substance and evidence, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. So we want to help you develop real, true, deep, and abiding faith. And that's going to be tied to your learning God's Word more fully. What He wants you to understand as to what real faith is and how you develop that faith. Now, some people think faith is just a gift from God. It's bestowed on, on people by God's decree. Well, the natural question ought to be, why doesn't he do that with everybody? Why doesn't he give the gift to everybody? Again, that's not the way we should understand true faith to develop. Again, we simply ought to go to the scriptures themselves to understand God's formula for the development of faith in our lives. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. As your faith grows, our prayer is that you will come to God for forgiveness, for salvation, for redemption through Jesus Christ, his Son and your Lord and Savior. As you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ openly, and surrender to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, so that the blood that he shed on the cross so long ago will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And as you come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, having been buried, immersed therein, you come up different changed, a new creation, a new person. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, reborn. John chapter 3 and verses 3 and 5. You have a new beginning. You get a start over, so to speak, from the spiritual perspective and with a new hope. And that is eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And so now you have a new direction. And that is living that walking down that path the rest of your life that will lead you toward eternity in heaven. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are indeed for you. We do want to remind you that it, at the end of every program, we offer a free Bible study. This is a study that is taken right from God's Word. It's easy to follow, easy to understand, and again, it is right from the Scriptures. It will teach you about God, about Christ, about forgiveness, salvation. It will teach you about the church. It will teach you about Christian living. 
It'll help you get to heaven. It'll show you the way. The study is always free. We never charge anybody to teach them God's word. All you have to do is ask for it, and we'll send it to you, and we'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So at the end of the program, when we give you the information as to how to contact us, jot that information down, and then contact us. Have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready to do exactly that. And then give us a call. You can send us an email. Uh, You can write us a letter by snail mail. A lot of people do that, uh, believe it or not. And we get lots of requests through the regular mail for Bible studies. So please take advantage of the opportunity. This can change your life and it can change your eternal destiny. Today we're going to conclude a study that we've been in for a number of weeks now. And this is a study that, asks the, that, that makes the statement, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Now, most people who believe in God, truly believe in him, and want to be with him in heaven would quickly say that, well, yeah, you have to dedicate yourself to God. But now that's an intellectual understanding. A whole lot of people who would claim to be dedicated to God, eh, they're not much dedicated to God, (laughs) if at all. They say the words, they may even have a feeling in their heart, but they're not living the life of dedication. And so how we dedicate ourselves to God is important, not just saying we're dedicated or feeling we're dedicated or thinking we're dedicated, but how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. And we take the principle from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, where Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, as we've emphasized, he's not talking about the plan of salvation coming to Christ. That's laid out for us in the scriptures. He's talking about after becoming a Christian, now continue to study God's word and diligently think about and pray for God's guidance as to how to apply those teachings most effectively to your life so that you can live the faithful Christian life. We continue to refer back to David's lesson that he learned in transporting the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And while it was a noble desire on his part, he did not follow the instructions from the law of Moses given to Moses by God as to how to transport the Ark of the Covenant. And so while his purpose was noble and good, he did not follow God's, God's will and instruction as to how to do it. And the man lost his life as a result. Now, when David went back to the scriptures and studied more carefully, he realized his mistake and He then instructed that it be transported correctly according to God's teachings and instructions and then everything worked out fine. David learned the lesson and we should learn the lesson from his lesson that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. And we've noted that there are areas in which how we dedicate ourselves to God certainly should be zeroed in on in our minds as to being important. 
It's important how we dedicate ourselves to God. It's important in the matter of doctrine, that is, God's teachings, what we believe. Over and over again, we read about sound doctrine, good doctrine. Well, that necessarily infers that there is unsound doctrine, bad doctrine, and we need to know the difference between the two. Now, that comes by getting into God's Word again and studying diligently and consistently and on an ongoing basis. We noted also that it's important in how we obey God's teachings as to how we dedicate ourselves to God. We can't pick and choose, cherry-pick sort of, and say, well, I like this I like this commandment, but I don't like this one over here. I like this instruction, but that one over there, I think that's old-fashioned, antiquated, out of date. We don't need to follow that. No, no, we need to follow God's teachings as he has instructed. And we have to follow all of those teachings that apply to us today from the scriptures. How we worship God is another area that demonstrates that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. It's unfortunate that in most denominations, you'll find people have made it up to some extent or another. They're worshiping God in ways that you don't find in the scriptures. They'll decide when they want to partake of the Lord's Supper. Now, the example from the New Testament is Acts chapter 20 at verse 7, upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. Now, every week has a first day. That's Sunday. It's not Saturday. And every week has a first day, so it's not the first day of every month or the first day of the first Sunday of every quarter or of every six months or once a year. It's every first day of the week. And when the church came together to sing praises to God, it was with a cappella songs, singing, unaccompanied by mechanical instruments of music. That's the way it's taught in the scriptures. Most people have not even studied that particular matter, and, and it's a shock to them a lot of times when somebody brings that up to them. But that's exactly the way the church worshipped God in song for the first over 400 years of its existence. And by that time, other digressions had been begun to be brought into the church, and that was just another one of them. We need to give to God sincerely. We need to give to God joyfully and consistently from the blessings that he has given to us. That's another aspect of worship. And again, that demonstrates how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We need to listen to the preaching and teaching. We need to be under the sound of the gospel and under the sound of God's scriptures on a consistent basis. That's one reason why we need to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the church in Hebrews 10 and verse 25. And prayer. Oh, how we need to pray to God. We need to pray always. We need to pray continually, every day, through the day. We need to pray without ceasing, as Paul puts it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. And then, and this is closely parallel to the idea of dedication, but it kind of stands on its own as well, and that's commitment. And that's what we've been looking at over the last couple of programs, the last few programs, actually. How we commit ourselves to God demonstrates how we dedicate ourselves to God. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important and is shown in how we commit ourselves to God. Just how far is our commitment going to be? How deep is it going to carry us in our commitment to God? 
Well, we must recognize that God has to be number one in our lives, even above our love for and devotion to our family, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. And our commitment to God must be hearty with all of our might, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, Colossians 3 and verse 23. And we need to recognize and openly, openly accept and confess our Lord Jesus Christ as our only Savior and the only way to God. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said that himself. Acts 4 and verse 12, the apostle Peter said it as well. And we need to openly confess our faith in him. Matthew 10 verses 32 and 33. If we do not accept his teachings, we'll be lost. John 12 and verse 48. And without living in the doctrine of Christ and by his teachings, we don't have God. Second, Second John chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, our faith must be active. It must be alive. It must be working faith. That's what real faith is. It's not just a feeling or an intellectual agreement, but it is belief put into action through obedience and commitment, serving. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, take up his cross is an active instruction, and it indicates the activeness of what real faith is. James went into great detail talking about the activeness of faith. He, he refers to it as works. In James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, actually you can read it beginning with verse 14 and going through the end of chapter 2, verse 26. We're just going to look at verses 17 and 18. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, James says. Now again, this is God's word. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, indicating that good works, active commitment on an ongoing basis is part of what real faith truly is, truly is. God has prepared work for us to do in our commitment to him as his followers. When we look at Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, now verses 8 and 9, a lot of people zero in on. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And they stop there, I'm afraid, most of the time. The very next verse continues the thought. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, it does not end with just an intellectual agreement that some people see faith to be. That's not real faith. And can we earn our salvation through all kinds of works? Absolutely not. It is only by God's grace that we can be saved. But real faith is active. It's obedient. It's working. 
as James pointed out. And he goes into a great deal of detail in James chapter 2, making and emphasizing and re-emphasizing that point. God has work for us to do, good work for us to do as Christians. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 2 and verse 12 to Christians, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Now look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul says, who gave himself for us, speaking of Christ, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, Christians, the church, zealous for good works, having a zeal for good works. And in verse 8 of chapter 3, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful or full of care to maintain good works. And then in verse 14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works. That's part of what a Christian is. That's what a part of real faith is. It is working faith. It is active. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that that's what real faith is. And it's not just a feeling. And it's not just an intellectual understanding and agreement. In verse 16 of Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, He who hears you hears me. He who rejects me and he who, I'm sorry, he who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, we've got to follow God through Christ. He is our Savior, and he is our only Savior. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, part of that faith that Jesus teaches us about is that we're to be shining lights. And he says in verse 16 of, of Matthew chapter 5, let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now again, that's part of what real faith is. It is active. It is obedient. It is working. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles would have been the unbelievers. There's a whole lot of unbelievers out there in the world around us today, and not necessarily talking about atheists, but they have not lived, they have not made their commitment to follow God through Jesus Christ. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So our faith has to be active. Our faith has to be consistent. Our faith has to be committed. And that's part of what real committed faith is. Our commitment cannot be just spoken. It has to be active. When we look at what John wrote along this line in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
Now again, indeed is an active phrase. In other words, it's parallel with what Paul, what, what James said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And the intimation there is that you cannot show me your faith without your works, because faith, real faith, true faith, is working faith. We must recognize that we have to come to our Lord for forgiveness and salvation, and that is the only way that we can have forgiveness and salvation. Our commitment has to be to him. Must be. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. We cannot pick and choose what we want to follow and what we want to discard as things that we don't believe from God's word or the things that are inconvenient for us to believe and follow. We must follow God, God's way. We must come to him, his way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And we will all be held accountable for our response to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to God's word. In Acts chapter 17 and verses uh, 30 and 31, Paul said, truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. There is no question but that Paul was talking about Jesus, about Christ, being our judge on that final day of judgment. As he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, he said we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we may give account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Again, active faith, things done in the body, how we've lived our lives, either for Christ or we've walked away from Christ. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We must dedicate ourselves to God the way he has instructed us to, with absolute commitment to be obedient to his teachings, to have obedient, active, working faith. We want to help you along this line. Again, in a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information and ask for that free Bible study. It will help you get to heaven. We'll take care of the postage, and there's no charge. We hope to hear from you right away.